Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On the last episode of Guilt. Look, I've said before, and I say that all the time, nothing makes sense. There's nothing to anchor yourself on. So I've been involved in quite a few homicide investigations, and uh, there's always facts that you you, you, know, you link things around. But in this case, uh, the facts are often contradictory or they don't make sense. Uh, you know, it sounds like something from a Sunday horrors movie back in the day. Um, but it was a knurling solution, which is just to loosen rust. Um, it's been described to me by scientists as you could swim in it and get a suntan. You know, so, and Jim would know that. It's violence that may disturb some people. Today we can officially announce that New Zealand Steel has cracked the code. On the 21st of June 2004, scientist Jim Donnelly vanished from his work at the Glenbrook Steel. From Brevity Studios in New Zealand, I'm Ryan Wolf, and this is Guilt. Uh, there was nothing in the early days to indicate that we were looking for somebody who had uh, been any misadventure. don't know what you're going to find. It started off as a joke and then it got rather scary. I just asked um, if anybody out there has any information that can help me put this um, bridge in home. In the last episode, I spoke to Inspector Dave Glossop, who has been the man tasked with making sense of this case for the last 12 years. We also covered the outline of the police timeline of events in a very matter-of-fact way. But as with any case, the actual actions themselves only make up half of the story. To get the full picture, we need to get to the reasons behind those actions, the emotion that we can't read off a police report. So in this episode... We're going to get to the heart of this case and this podcast. We're going to meet Jim's wife, Tracy Donnelly, and discover who Jim really was as a man, husband, and father. And of course, we're also going to hear from Tracy the tragic and bizarre series of events that took place over the course of the final couple weeks before Jim's disappearance. 
In many ways, Tracy holds all the keys when it comes to Jim's behaviour over this time. And due to the importance and length of her interview, it's going to be split over two episodes. In this first episode, we're going to learn about Jim, the husband, and Jim, the family man. We're going to go over these details in depth, because in this particular case, I think it's vital we have a firm understanding of who Jim was as a person, so that we may hopefully get a better insight into his actions to come. I've done so many interviews now that I don't normally get nervous, but as I drove on the motorway to meet Tracy, I'll admit I felt a few butterflies. I'd spoken to Tracy on the phone, and she came across as someone that's no-nonsense. She's been in the trenches of this case for almost 20 years, and apart from a select few police, she knows the case better than anyone. And as of today, I'm more or less coming in blind. Aside from the same things I've seen repeated in the press over the years, yet I already feel a personal pressure to try and break this case after all this time. This adds to the nerves, but I love it. That sense of the unknown. So this is basically the first first step in season two of Guilt. Going to meet Tracy Donnelly, which is Jim's wife, and yes, yeah, the first interview of of it all. So it all starts here. Um, yeah, I'm actually a little bit nervous if I'm going to be honest. You know, it's pretty hard. I mean, Jim was—he's never been found, so they, you know, they don't have that closure. So I'm not really—I'm not quite sure what to expect in terms of, you know, how Tracy's going to be, and yeah, it's um, yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting interview anyway. And I really just be really—I'm really interested to know what what Tracy thinks happened, and um, just to learn more about Jim and the man he was, and yeah, so. It all starts here. I pull up to Tracy's home in an affluent area of Auckland. It's a beautiful two stories with fantastic views. Okay. Well, cool. she's got something here, obviously. Cool house. Oh, that might be her. Oh, there we go. Hello, hello, Sadly, Tracy has been in and out of hospital over recent weeks as her mother is not well. They've recently swapped homes, as her mother is no longer able to use the stairs. We find a nice sunny room on the top floor, where we take a seat. All right, where would you like to... I was just going to do a different room. Yeah, it's nice and... Right in here, oops. Oh, this is actually my parents' house. Oh, okay. So, my mum's living in my house, because it's one story. Tracy is in her 50s now, It's been 18 years since Jim's disappearance. As we sit, I almost get the feeling that this is just another day in the office for her. Groundhog Day. Over the years, she's given dozens and dozens of interviews, been involved in numerous TV specials and a bunch of single-episode podcasts, all in an attempt to try and keep Jim's case alive, on the hope that someone might come forward with that crucial new piece of evidence. But to this day, no person has ever come forward. The case remains as much a mystery as the day Jim went missing. And despite the strong front she puts forward, I can see all those years of disappointment in her eyes. And I only hope that by the end of this, 
I can change that and hopefully bring some resolution, whatever that might be. But for now, I ask her to take me right back to the beginning, where it all began. Yeah, we'll just start at the beginning and, um, yeah, I suppose, um, if you don't mind, we'll go back and tell me about how you met Jim and, um, <laughs> right, right back at the start. Okay. So, um, I met him, um, at a party. Yeah. Um, Haley's Comet was in the sky at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it was just a party I went to with a girlfriend. Yeah. I didn't know anybody there we just well it was a friend of hers that was having the party and um, yeah so we went in fancy dress because I was doing costumes at the stage for Milford um, Little Theatre so we decided to dress up because I had all the costumes at home so I was wearing tails I think and my girlfriend was wearing a captain's you know um, uh, yeah captain's for um, ship type yeah, 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 no, that's <laughs> So, um, yeah, so we just rocked on up to this party and um, had a few drinks, got chatting to a few of the local inhabitants of the flat and then, yeah, um, met, met Jim and his friend Paul um, and things just went from there. It was sort of, um, you know, he was quite interesting to talk to and... Um, yeah, I found out later he had quite a few dreams because his, um, he because of he had a lisp as a child, so he went to um, so it's speech lessons. At this point, Tracy's partner Rob briefly decided to start the food processor, so I apologise for the background noise. It doesn't last long, but I won't apologise for how delicious the scones and cream were after the interview. Yeah. So when he had a few drinks, it just um, clicked in. Oh, right. <laughs> Speaking proper English. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so we had a good night. And um, then he asked for my number and I wrote it on his hand in lipstick. And thought, oh, maybe I'll hear from him. Maybe I'll Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that's all we had. We had to know pens or anything. It was just, yeah, so bright red lipstick on his hand. And um, yeah, then he rang me, oh, I think it was three or four days later. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, and unbeknown to me, I didn't remember this, but he told me later. He said every time he rang me to go out, I was doing something. Yeah, <laughs> and then his, one of his brothers said to him um, one night, "Oh, give her another call. She, she'll be, you know, yeah. <laughs> you just never know." And, um, and I was free. So. He might have thought you were ghosting him or something. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah, that wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a different word for it then. Yeah. So um, yeah, so we went out and. Yeah, so rest is history. Um, so how old were you at that time, the time um, of the party? 21. Oh, 21. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he was 24. Yeah. Um, because just after that, we had, he had his um, 25th, and I took him out to dinner at the, um, what's that French restaurant in town? It's pretty, pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, so you took, you took him out? Yeah, I took him out, yes. Oh, very modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was, yeah, because you're like 25. Oh, what do you do for your tw- for a 25th? So, yeah, so we went out, um, had a had a beautiful dinner, and um, so that wasn't long after because we met around before, just before Anzac Day. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, okay. What, what was it sort of that, it, that 
What was Jim's um, personality, his character like? It. Oh, she's lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, our first date, you know, he was very considerate, yeah. and he went, you know, to white or red wine. He didn't know, so he bought one of each, <laughs> <laughs> just in case. <laughs> And he opened the door for the car for me, or those sorts of things. And um, when he first came to pick me up, um, I said to my mother, I said, oh, you'll like this one. Oh. <laughs> so she looked down over the balcony and she goes, oh, okay. <laughs> Did he come from, a, was his family sort of quite a proper kind of no. open the door type thing? No, that was just Jim. No, that was just Jim. G- um, one of his sister-in-laws called him Gentleman Jim. So uh, yeah, it was just who he was and... Um, yeah, he was just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. In the mid-1990s, Tracy and Jim were head over heels. They soon moved in together before Jim decided he really needed to go back to university. And then, um, and then from there, how long before you, when did you guys eventually get married? And Well, we moved in together first and then he went back to university, decided that he, sh- he really needed to finish his degree. Um, so we were flatting, they put him, you know, put him through university. Yeah. Uh, and then when, yeah, because at that stage he went paid for university. Yeah. So um, it was not as hard. And, and also he was sort of a, the apprenticeship down at the mill. So they were supporting him and he was working in the holidays oh, okay. to, to a degree. And then and I was working full time. And so he did his um, metallurgical Degree, um, engineering degree, um, and that we got a, we got married when I was about 25, 26, something like that, and that's when we moved to Manukau and bought our first house and um, renovated that, and um, the day he finished his exams, my father was on, um, had the lumber for the garage. Yeah. Delivered. Yeah. <laughs> and Jim thought he was going to have a holiday. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> yeah. Building a garage. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So, so he was. So, I mean, so he was at the mill from that early stage. Yes, yes. When I met him, he just start. He just started down at the mill, and I just started over there in New Zealand. So we both had just sort of gone into those companies, yeah. um, and we're with those companies right through our relationship. When Jim went missing in June 2004, he had been working at the mill for almost 20 years, and Tracy at Air New Zealand, where she's worked as a travel consultant for almost the same period of time. This highlights the fact that the life Jim and Tracy had created was apparently a settled one. When the average person moves job every three years, it's certainly a bit of an anomaly, and this is what makes Jim's behaviour in the days before his disappearance all the more troubling. I asked Tracy about Jim's earlier years, before they met, and how he ended up in his role at NZ Steel. He'd done um, a bit of travel overseas with um, another friend. Um, He'd spent, um, I think it was probably a year overseas. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah, he did a lot of travelling. Um, and then when he came, because he went to university and then it, it didn't sort of all come together. Is Because mm. you're probably too young sometimes when yep. you go in. And um, so he sort of left that, then went travelling. And then when he came back, um, when I met him, he'd just um, started at the, at the steel mill uh, doing a metallurgical cadet yeah. um, role. And so he was going to night school and doing um, a diploma. 
And then it wasn't until sort of later on to a relationship that um, decision was made that he'd go back and do his degree. Oh, okay. So, so it was actually doing that the metallurgy at the mill that kind of made him decide to go in that direction in the well, end. Well, that was that was what because when he applied to them, he was applying sort of for doing engineering, and they um, decided that they wanted him as a metallurgical um, engineer rather than just. Uh, I don't know, you know, sort of general engineer. Right, yeah, I don't they, know. they saw something like this guy's pretty switched on. Maybe yeah. we should use him. Yeah. So he started in the labs and, um, yeah, sort of just testing the, the metal and the, yeah. com- the makeup of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to go into the university with them when they were just pulling tensiles. Yeah. Um, so to the break point. So he'd, so you just put on this, in this big, huge, um, microscope machine it's amazing that the images that you see it was just like it's a small city oh, that, right. come, that comes up with just yeah because and they're just pulling it until it breaks and yeah. just sort of seeing the the break as far as i know yeah testing strength but, and that that's a simple version yeah what, what did they do? <laughs> yeah um okay cool um so then at that point you started a family um yeah, that was a wee bit further down the track we bought the boat first <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, your first kid, was Jim, Jim's first child. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, he's always been into sailing. His brother had a um, trailer sailor that he started on, um, and then he used to do racing and um, the rum races and the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, would, would you get out there as well? Um, yeah, I did. I yeah. did there for a while. I joined. Um, I. Yeah, joined the um, boys a couple of times. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> not didn't do it every weekend, but every so often I'd do it yeah. and go out on the boat. It was you know, a bit of fun. Yeah, Jim really, really, really loved it because it's like, um, yeah. So we we ended up buying a boat. We, yeah, we were sort of wanting to have a family, but it wasn't kind of working out. So we decided, all right, we'll, we'll buy a boat, and so we did. We got a twenty-eight um, foot. Um, it was a Nova twenty-eight, and. We had that for quite some time, and it's um, quite decent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sort of like was go away for weekends, um, and yeah, J- Jim just loved sailing. Um, he'd even just go out by himself just to just sail around, and yeah. but it was just amazing when you get out and you see all the phosphorescence in the water mm. at night, yeah. and um, yeah, it, it is it is really different. Um, so yeah, we we did. We did a bit of that, and we still had the boat when the children came along because we took them out a few times, but that was just hard work. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. Yeah, two little ones on the on the boat. Um, Liam really, really enjoyed it because we'd they'd go out to the islands and then sort of do a bit of um, beach combing along the shore and pick up treasures and yeah, things like yeah. that. Um, and Siobhan was quite young at that time, so yeah, we just ended up selling the boat because it was just got too hard just with yeah. the maintenance time working two jobs mm. two children you realize you've got this asset sitting yeah. there doing nothing oh, it's a hole in the water yeah. <laughs> you get more pouring more money and more money into it but you no know, well we had it it was fun you know we yeah. went out and we um you know just it just round in the um harbor ago you know, sort of i think the furthest we went up to was cowell yeah and, oh it's beautiful there though yeah yeah, so yeah, went up there and um, go and swimming off um, off the boat, and yeah, it was great. That's you know, lovely lifestyle. Oh, but I know. yeah, um, and was Jim? Obviously, he was a 
confidence early he must have been yes, pretty good. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, yeah. He he didn't like to stand one spot too long, you know, sort of more up and relax. He just wanted to keep sailing. It's well known that Jim dearly loved sailing and was more than competent. We're going to look at this in greater detail in upcoming episodes, as it's a key aspect to one of the most commonly believed theories of Jim's disappearance. But the other passion of Jim's was his kids. At the time of Jim's disappearance, they had two children, Liam and Siobhan, aged seven and five respectively. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Yeah. yeah, so they were five and um, seven yeah. at the time. So Siobhan had just started school. So she started because she turned five in September. So, yeah, so it was through her first year at school. Yeah, um, yeah and Liam obviously was two years ahead of her. What was Jim like as a as a dad? Was I love yeah, <laughs> hands on. I just yeah, he was he was great. He um, anything it, nothing was too much trouble. You know, if they you know if Liam wanted to make carrot stew, so they <laughs> found a recipe that did the job because he wanted carrot stew. So. Yeah, um, yeah, and he built rockets. So you know, because he wanted a rocket, so he built yeah. a rocket. Um, yeah, Siobhan was. Um, she says her memory was that he played dolls' houses with her, and nobody else would. And um, but yeah, so no, they loved their dad. Their yeah. dad was great. Yeah, yeah. he oh, was you know hands on. So you he know, wasn't a backseat parent. No that. bath times, nappies, anything. He was all part of it yeah. because with Liam, I was working shifts, so he was you know sort of like um, he'd be home when I wasn't home, so he was. So he sort of had yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but he loved it. Because, like, when Liam was born, he was um, in um, what they call Skaboo because he had just a bit of breathing issues. Um, and so little bit known to me because I was upstairs because I was recovering from a Caesar. And um, he drove home after visiting us. And then he sat at home and thought, oh, Liam's all by himself. So he drove all the way back to the hospital and stayed the night with him. 
Well, really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah. he was he was caring. So, oh, yeah, yeah. He, very, he was very besotted with his children. He yeah. just he said they're the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. And why hadn't we done it earlier? Jim's infatuation with his children is important in this case. The prevailing theory by police and most people is that Jim has tragically somehow taken his own life. And while loving your children doesn't necessarily mean a person would be immune to such an act, it does provide motive to live. He had young children who he adored and likewise adored him. It's very difficult to imagine Jim would choose to leave them behind. Another aspect of Jim's life I was very curious about was Jim's social circle. You can often learn a lot about a person through their friends. Yeah. Um, when you met Jim, what sort of his friend circle and stuff, like what, what were his friends like? I mean, you know, what was sort of his social circle when you, and even um, in the time you were sort of together? Well, when I first met Jim, I thought he was an only child. A little, uh, little did I know that until later that, no, he's one of eight. Because <laughs> just at the what beginning. What you think an only child? Um, well, I never heard about any of them. I was just, yeah, until we got invited to a 21st for one of his nieces, um, who's around about the same age as us. That, that was when I first met the family, and it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so he just, he didn't mention it until you didn't ask because he didn't know, I suppose. Well, no, because well, that was, yeah, so early on, so I was just trying to think how, yeah, um, it was in the, first, in the first six months. Yeah, no, it didn't really mention it. He did meet, you know, a couple of times he said he was just going around to see his parents when we, when he, because he was flashing and I was living at home. And um, that was what I sort of heard. And then, um, yeah. Yeah. So they, they sort of came into into our lives uh, um, slowly, but at the time I just really thought he was an only child. <laughs> and what had, what was Jim like with his family? And what, did he get along with his family? Oh, well? yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, you know, he was just doing his own thing. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, when once we sort of became, you know, a couple, as in we weren't just dating, we were sort of more into that serious mode, then I think we started getting and um, was sort of introduced into the family and yeah. then we had a lot to do with um, all of them because he sailed with his oldest brother and the next one down, they both, because they were, they were the sort of crew. So those, and then um, he was very close to his brother who's one up from him, Keith. He was, um, so we spent a lot of time over the years um, with Keith and then his sister's, um, one of them lives in Christchurch, so we, you know, sort of went down to visit her, and then um, another sister, she lived locally, so he was quite close to her as well. And then the other one um, lives in Tokoroa, and we visited when we were travelling up and down the country. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, they were all quite a big part of our lives. Okay. Um, his friends, um, well, you've met Stephen and Debbie. I met them on their wedding day. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because they were living in Melbourne. Yeah. So they came over and Jim was um, best man. And um, so, yeah, I did, he flew down earlier and then I flew down. So I met all the friends <laughs> at the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that was a bit of fun. And. Um, yeah, we've just been in contact friends ever since. Yeah. In terms of um, he wasn't someone with like a, a big sort of like social group all the time going to pubs and stuff like, you know, no. that kind of thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
more about us as our own family. And- yeah, no, he had some really good friends um, and, and there weren't people that he, he worked with. He did have acquaintances with work when we went to a couple of the work parties that his friends were putting on, um, but it wasn't a big part of his life. It was more yeah. his friends that he'd met as he was growing up, but yeah. became, you know, sort of the big, that those were the, the friend group. Friends, yeah. They're the ones we spent a lot of time with yeah. and my friends. And, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, there was a lot of social stuff, you yeah. know. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, potluck dinners and yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, those yeah. sorts of things, fancy dress. Yeah, he, he was quite happy to get do fancy dress. Yeah. He didn't. I mean, I grew up while I was growing up. I was I did the nightclubs and stuff yeah. like that, and really enjoyed those with dancing yeah. and stuff like that. It wasn't his scene, so um, I'd never met him in a nightclub. But yeah, I met him at a party. So yeah. Just, yeah. Jim was born into a large family, the youngest of eight, three girls and five boys. While Jim was close with his family, it gives us a bit of an insight into the slightly introverted nature of his character that Tracy believed he was an only child for the first six months of their relationship. Jim was clearly a man that was focused on what he was doing. And if you don't ask the question, you don't get the answer. I asked Tracy to tell me about Jim working at the mill and how he fitted in with the team. Moving forward um, to, I mean, tell me about the mill and what Jim would sort of tell you about his job at the mill and how much he did enjoy it and um well yeah because when he um first started uh, down there he, he's moved around quite a few different departments and um from from the outside looking in he was kind of a square peg trying to fit into a round hole with the personality types down there because he he was um super intelligent um to a point where the social skills weren't as um, easy for him. You know, he got on really well with people, but he did find it difficult just mm. engaging. I mean, I understand it because I'm a wee bit like that myself until he kind of relaxed into it. Or um, there was a common, um, something that you had in common that you could talk, you know, sailing or something yeah. like that, you know. Um, he would overanalyze conversations. So um, to a point he'd make himself uncomfortable yeah. and then that would yeah, it would just make the whole thing uncomfortable. So, yeah, yeah. I've got um, sort of friends of my sister's same. He, this, this guy is sort of on a different plane. Jim and him have a really good conversation and the rest of us are sitting there going what you know it's just just on that different level you know when you meet a person and you just click conversation flows they're on your level perhaps for some of you this is a common almost daily occurrence for others this may not be so simple jim fit into this latter category Jim was not the kind of person that would stand beside the water cooler shooting shit over the weekend's events. He had a relatively narrow field of interests, of which he was very passionate. And if you weren't knowledgeable in these areas, it was difficult for him to engage. We probably all know a person like this, someone that 
unnecessarily overthinks every moment of a social encounter. And as a result, it can cause them to withdraw from all but their very closest friends that they feel comfortable with. As you can likely imagine, a steel mill is going to be a workplace where someone with these kinds of traits may struggle to fit in. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, everyone sort of has that. Sometimes, you know, you meet someone and just, you're on that level and you can yeah. talk and you just yeah. click like that. Yeah. And I, especially, obviously, Jim was very smart. So there probably weren't heaps of people on that exact level with him. No, no. You know, um, it, it, he could, that's what, you know, him and Stephen could converse on on that level um, and this other guy and him and... Um, what was his name? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, okay. yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he, yeah, but he, he was... Another one, super intelligent and very dysfunctional within society. Um, So, not not that it, because I mean, I thought you know socially he he was fine, but just sometimes he just probably underestimated himself and his. Because you eventually obviously knew and loved Jim. Do you think sometimes, like maybe you were seeing him as Jim, but sometimes if you stepped out and you looked in, were you like, oh, he, you? It might be a bit odd for people. So a place yeah. like a mill where people, it's so you know they might think he's weird, or maybe could he even could he speak in a way that might actually like annoy people? Well, it just he's just on a different, um, you know, humor wise, probably. Yeah. Yeah, just well, what's a sense of humor? Oh, it was, yeah, a bit off the wall sometimes, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and, you know, like he'd find something really funny and he'd just laugh at it and then someone would sort of look at him and go, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just, and, and I can, you know, um, it, it's it's tricky to explain. Yeah. But because um, I just say, oh, no, you're fine. You're, um, no, it, it, it was good. I didn't find anything because he'd sort of analyzed so what you'd, it you'd get home from somewhere then and then he'd, he'd be going over. yeah and i'd be going no i didn't see anything. Oh, yeah, it was it was fine you know or yeah that was a bit weird <laughs> but you know i don't think i'm i'm probably overthinking what people thought of him but he was a very genuine caring type of person yeah. that um just just didn't fit the the norm, but you know whether the norm is normal. I'm just, <laughs> you I know, imagine, you know. So he, he might go into a situation then later that would it sort of make him sometimes pull back a little bit because he's worried. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to say something, and they're going to take it the wrong way, so I'll say nothing. Yeah, well, yeah, and that just, yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah. And and so at the mill, um, you know, so if he's he's moving around different departments, is that because they're sort of moving around, or he's had enough there? Or they're just um, not yeah, he or? just well, no, he just. Um, wanted to go and try something else yeah. and um so yeah he just like, was like with me at New Zealand you know I just you just couldn't, couldn't stay in one place for the whole time yeah. it's interesting to move around learn new things and um learn different things about the how things are operating yeah. and you build um your network of people that you can talk to um when you come up against problems so it's a good thing to do um so, yeah, it wasn't a negative thing. It was yeah. just that um, he did find in the last few years that um, he just felt he was not achieving what he wanted to achieve. You That's know? what I was going to say. Did he feel like people were um, 
whether was he getting the respect that he felt he deserved, sort of thing? Or? Um, I've, you know, talking to some of the um, the managers from what they say, yes, but from how he felt, um, he felt like some of his ideas and things were taken um, out of his control, and somebody else took the um, uh, kudos or the took the um, uh, yeah. Because of his social skills, yeah, you know. Because they're like, well, we can, we can walk over him sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, yeah, he'd um, put things together or at one stage he was putting um, things in place to actually uh, remove his job. <laughs> so, well, you know, it just meant, well, if we do, if we put this in place and this in place, you actually don't need me. So, yeah. But but it was more efficient. So it was that's very pragmatic. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so and then he just go oh, move on do something else. But you know, we through the years he was there, you always had the redundancy, the, um, the restructure. Was every, every company was doing restructures, and everybody was worried about what would happen. So yeah, but he just wanted to do the job. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so um, it's. How much would he bring his work life home with him, if you know what I mean? Well, he'd never take any leave from work because he always had something on the go. So it was very hard to get him away from work. And if he did take leave, he'd nine times out of ten end up back down at work. Yeah. We'd have to go away somewhere. So, um, so that couldn't happen. Yeah. And, and also sick leave, he never took sick leave. And so he was, yeah, well, when he actually went missing, he had stacks of sick leave. Yeah. You know, because he never took it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Even so, though he was a death story, he'd still be down there doing his job because yeah. that's what he was paid to do. Yeah. Yeah. Had he ever thought about moving on somewhere else or anything yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 He'd been for a few interviews. Oh, okay. Um Sort of probably 18 months, two years before. Um, but that was probably me that didn't really want to move. Okay, yeah. So um, I was hesitant to move because, we, um, yeah, I just didn't, out of my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. Boy, did I go out of my comfort zone later. But, yeah, I was... Yeah, that was probably a lot to do with me that we didn't move. Yeah. And, yeah, hindsight. While we've spent a lot of time in this episode focusing on Jim's personality and relationships, I want to be clear, Jim wasn't some kind of social leper. He was a doting father, a loving husband, and a hard worker. But he certainly was that guy that we all know that can be kind caring and thoughtful but just struggles to make meaningful connections with people outside their immediate circle of friends and family you'll hear more in upcoming episodes but i wanted to make it clear that jim was a square peg trying to fit into a round hole at nz steel sometimes people like jim can rub people the wrong way so it begs the question was jim's inability to fit into the culture at the mill somehow connected to his disappearance? Did Jim rub someone the wrong way? Or did Jim perhaps, in an effort to try and fit in, get himself involved with people or activities that he otherwise wouldn't? This is certainly something I'm going to be investigating further in upcoming episodes. But for now, 
I'm going to conclude this episode. And next time, we're going to take a deep dive with Tracy into the bizarre string of events that played out in the days and weeks leading up to Jim's disappearance. And hopefully, start piecing together some pieces of this puzzle. Guilt is written, produced, and edited by me, Ryan Wolf. The title track is Nuclear Conception by Alison Winter. For further photos and video related to this episode, you can find a companion post on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ, or our Facebook page, Brevity Studios NZ. For ad-free listening and bonus content, you can subscribe for the price of a coffee on Apple Plus under our Brevity Studios channel. You can also find further information on our website, theguiltpodcast.com. If you have any information related to the disappearance of Jim Donnelly or the subsequent search at the mill, you can contact us anonymously at brevitystudiosnz at gmail.com. On the next episode of Guilt. Yeah, so it must have been April that I was away then. Because I, oh, I came back and the weekend, it was Mother's Day weekend because we went out looking for cars and we went out to see his mother and he dropped the camera and it was had a bit of a meltdown but yeah he was just I never between then and when he went missing I never actually found out what actually happened with that car accident and I was thinking oh my god he thinks he's going to get a beating um, or was there an initiation of something that that's this and I'm like what the hell and I was thinking oh my god so I rang his sister in Christchurch and I said no I said hold on this this is what's going on what do you think and she sort of said well he obviously needs to go to this meeting Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.